Hey y'all, this is Maddie and Zach, back again for this week's episode on Queer Time Podcast. For new viewers who might have stumbled upon this, we are three LGBTQ teens who are dedicated to bringing you the most straightforward current news from both in and out the LGBTQ community. We also provide our own commentary on important topics in society. If you have been here before, thank you so much for your continued support. Alrighty, so today we're going to talk about the Methodist Church and LGBT Americans' relationship with the church as a whole, along with recent developments with the Justice Smollett situation. In addition, we'll also be discussing the new bills in California, which secure equality for LGBT citizens of the state. First up, the Methodist Church. On February 26, delegates came from around the world to gather in St. Louis for a general conference. Their goal? To vote on a plan for the Methodist Church to address sexuality, specifically the gays. Two different plans were proposed to the members of the General Conference Legislative Committee. The traditional plan would carry out old church traditions by rejecting homosexuality. Homosexuals would not be allowed to be ministers, appointed to serve, or be married in the church. The second plan was the One Church Plan. The One Church Plan would have allowed individual churches to make their own rules regarding LGBT matters, including same-sex weddings and the sexuality of their clergy. An individual church would not be forced to accept homosexuality nor change their existing practices. The meeting was originally commissioned by the United Methodist Church's Council of Bishops, the church's highest-ranking clergy. The council called for a revision of the interpretation of the Book of Disciple because of various complaints directed toward the Book of Disciples, quote, language which is contradictory, unnecessarily hurtful, and inadequate for the variety of local, regional, and global contexts. The majority of bishops supported the One Church Plan and pushed hard for it, as it was designed to keep the church together. However, the end result was not what they expected. Delegates decided to move forward with the traditional plan after a vote of 438 to 384, confirming the continuation of homosexual exclusion from the church. But supporters of the One Church Plan still have hope. Although the One Church Plan was not supported by the Legislative Committee, it can still be brought to the floor of the plenary with the support of 20 delegates. A minority report was filed in opposition to the traditional plan by Reconciling Ministries Network, a movement advocating for the full inclusion of LGBTQ people into the church in order to gather support for the One Church Plan. So the next part is my own ruminations based on the Methodist Church's current response to homosexuality. To clarify, my opinions do not reflect Karma High School as a whole, nor do they speak for the entire LGBTQ community. So if any of you are taking AP Euro right now like I am, you know that churches have been naturally conservative throughout history. Think back to Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation which split the Catholic Church because many felt that Protestantism was blasphemy. Or any schism in the Church you can think of. It was probably because someone broke from tradition. Now, 
I believe change can be good for one's soul. A break from the old can be refreshing and help bring a new perspective to anything, not necessarily just LGBTQ matters. However, change can also be threatening, and that can cause people to put up boundaries. Right now, historic tradition that's lasted for thousands of years is changing to accommodate the LGBTQ community, and many can see that as a threat. And I will say that I believe their view is valid. Their view is no less valid than those who are seeking tolerance in churches, because as much as LGBTQ desire acceptance for their sexuality, others desire acceptance for their traditions. In a world where religions are looked down upon for being anti-LGBTQ, can you blame them? Our modern society pins the label of homophobe on any Christian it sees without considering who they are as a person. In the past, LGBTQ were mocked and labeled, but now the tables have turned and it's the people of faith who are being stereotyped. Religion has become a villain when it should not be. Faith is not a crime. Sexuality and traditions are not opposites and they don't have to be enemies. See, the beautiful thing about the One Church Plan is that it creates compromise between the two opposing forces of historic intolerance and modern tolerance. It allows individual churches to decide their own rules, similar to how individual states in America have their own laws. Because I'm not religious or a part of the Methodist church, I can't speak for it or any of the people who are a part of it. But I do believe the One Church Plan is a good foundation for a modern church tradition of tolerance. Even if there's a possibility, it might not work completely. It might have to be revised in the future. Anyway, if there's any development regarding this issue, we'll be sure to keep you up to date in future episodes. For now, Zach is going to recap recent developments in the Jesse Smollett attack in a new bill in California. So now we're going to talk about two new bills in California, which are going to be greatly beneficial to the LGBTQ community. So basically, research from Kids Data revealed that 45% of LGBT youth in California reported the use of drugs or alcohol, and 49% had seriously considered suicide, compared to 22% and 16% of cis-hetero youth, respectively. Meanwhile, according to the Trevor Project, LGBT youth contemplate suicide at three times the rate of heterosexual youth, and 92% of trans people who have attempted suicide have done so before the age of 25. Despite these disheartening statistics, sources such as Kids Data and Trevor Project have begun to reach a wider audience among California lawmakers. This has resulted with Assembly Bill 493 being drafted to protect LGBT youth and further educate teachers on how to conduct themselves in front of queer youth appropriately. According to the Sacramento Bee, another attempt at a bill such as this was drafted in the last legislative session, but it was vetoed by the California governor at the time, Jerry Brown. Todd Gloria of the California Legislative LGBT Caucus and State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tony Thurman, sponsored the bill. The former said in regards to the bill that equipping educators with resources to better support LGBTQ students will create a safer and more inclusive environment for these students to be successful. Another bill drafted by Scott Wiener secures equality before the law among cis, hetero, and LGBTQ people, with all cases of intercourse between an adult and a minor put before a judge before the adult is put on the sex offender registry. According to his official website, Wiener said that, quote, SB 145, which is the name of the bill, 
puts an end to blatant discrimination against young LGBT people engaged in consensual activity. This bill is about treating everyone equally under the law. These laws were put in place during a more conservative and anti-LGBT time in California's history. It is time we update these laws and treat everyone equally. So basically in episode three, which you should probably listen to before this one to gain more context into this, we covered the alleged hate crime on gay black actor Jesse Smollett, but new information has come up and we have decided that until the case is closed, we will continue covering the story. Basically, on February 20th, Jesse Smollett turned himself in after being charged with filing a false police report, with some saying that he staged a hate crime in order to boost his salary on the show Empire in which he stars. However, it has not yet been confirmed whether or not he staged the attack, as much of the information is confused. Allegedly, Smollett asked two close friends, brothers, Abimbula and Abel Osindiro to tie a noose around his neck, dump gasoline, which would later be replaced with chlorine on him, and yell, this is MAGA country, to allude to President Donald Trump, who used it as part of his 2016 presidential slogan. Smollett supposedly took them to an area near his apartment where it would occur, but a reporter from NBC News was said to have witnessed it in its entirety. Upon further investigation, prosecutors say that Smollett made a checkout to the two men of $3,500 in a day of and another $100 to pay for ski masks for them to wear and materials for them to use. In addition, it was said that texts were found between Smollett and the two men that suggested that the former was doing the latter of the drug ecstasy in another form of payment. However, despite the supposed evidence, according to the Griot on Twitter, quote, the text between Jesse Smollett and the Nigerian-American brothers prove that the $3,500 was for fitness training and not to orchestrate the alleged attack. This calls the claims by the superintendent of Chicago PD into question. Smollett's defense team, according to the USA Today, said in a statement that Mr. Smollett is a young man of impeccable character and integrity who fiercely and solemnly maintains his innocence and feels betrayed by a system that apparently wants to skip due process and proceed directly to sentencing. Police superintendent Eddie Johnson was the first to say that it was staged for a raise. However, if so, it was not to be. Smollett would be suspended from the show Empire following his arrest. Although not much of the information is currently known to the general public, many have jumped to criticize him. If he were to have staged the attack, some fear this might further dissuade the media from having a discussion on the violence faced by LGBT people, and in particular, LGBT people of color, one of the most marginalized communities in the world. According to the USA Today, the brothers have since apologized for their involvement in the alleged fake attack. As mentioned before, we will continue to add the story if there are any updates throughout the rest of the year. That's all for today, folks, so be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. If you enjoyed this, like it, listen to other episodes, or recommend it to your friends. Or do all three. That'd be pretty great. Make sure to follow us on our social media as well, where you can find behind-the-scenes content and other fun stuff. Check out the link in the description below to find out where you can follow us. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, reach out to us via our email, which will also be in the description. We're also on Scott Scoop, the student journalism website for Common High School, where you can read and discover more about us. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Queer Time Podcast.